Hey guys, what's up? It's Zemet here with Cartel Aristocrats cast number 34. We've reached a special milestone this week. We have officially been recording for one whole year. So this marks the year-long anniversary of you guys downloading our feed, for which we're thankful. As always, you can tune in live and comment and go along with us on YouTube. Anyway, there's some stuff that happened this week. What do you guys want to talk about first? I want to talk about how there's 52 weeks in a year and not 34. Yeah, we, we had a summer hiatus and a couple other hiatuses and a couple hiatuses not, on top of that. Are we not introducing ourselves? Well, I mean, do you want to go ahead? You've ever done. You guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves? That's a uh, lot worse than the like Family Guy one that you sang that one time. Okay, I'm DJ. I write for QS. My articles come out every Thursday. Uh, I haven't touched Magic in a week or two because of school and Pokemon. Uh, my name is Jim Casal. I write on Modern Nexus and Gathering Magic. I had just that article come out today, so if you're listening live, you can go read my article today on Gathering Magic. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. And I'm Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. write every Monday on MTG Price, and I do MTG Fast Finance with James. Um, I guess I'm newcomer, guest, whatever. Uh, name's Jimmy Bishop. I'm on Twitter at Jimbabwe. I work Why do we for, have uh, you on the cast, though? What, what do you do? Uh, What's buyer. so important? Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, one of the buyers for Cool Stuff, Inc., so you'll see me at all the Grand Prix. Um, yeah, that's basically it. And I'm Zemet Sells Magic. You can find me every Monday for Cart Confidence. I just had an article come out today. And then on Thursday, there's another website that's coming out with more writing. So anyway, Standard Showdown. Have you guys heard any difference in the amount of participation locally from the first week to the second now that this is sort of getting in gear and we're done with Thanksgiving? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I don't I don't think so. I live in a college town, so a lot of people are just gone for the holidays. Well, not really a college town, but there are a lot of college students that play Magic at the stores near where I live. So when the holiday time comes around, there's just it's just a ghost town most of the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't say... been in touch with our store enough to get a feel for that. The the local store that I go to the the first weekend of the standard showdown absolutely no one couldn't even fire uh, this time it uh, fired I think it had like 12, 12 people on a Saturday which is pretty good yeah we had a four hundred percent increase from week one to week two of people that wanted to play and yeah we actually paid out boosters this time last time we didn't have the eight required to fire and this time we actually had four rounds so it was pretty good. Or five, I forget. But do you guys think that this is going to be something that Wizards is going to continue to do in the future in order to help the anemic growth of Standard? Or do you think this is a one-time deal and then they'll do this again just like they said Expeditions would be a one-time deal? Did they ever say Expeditions were a one-time deal back in Zendikar? Well, when they went back to Zendikar, they said we're only doing this just like the original Zendikar. And then they skipped like one block, and then they're like, "Oh, right, right. like is that, is that an actual quote by Wizards from like Battle for Zendikar? Like expeditions are a one-time thing. This is a special. Uh, I don't remember them saying that, but anyway, that's the point. Um, 
I think that heavily depends on market research, doesn't it? Like, they'll see how it does. If it flops, they'll toss it aside. If if this gets a whole pile of people back into standard, then it seems like it'll be something they use to revitalize the uh, the interest during the shitty months of, like, December, January, whatever. So, I don't know. I don't think we can judge it in, like, the second week of its infancy. I think it's something that, like, we go back a year from now, and then they're like, oh, okay, standard showdown's back. We're like, oh, okay, it must have been nice. It must have worked. Yeah, I don't know. It's, like, really hard to say what's going to happen. Um, they might have done this specifically because this time of year there's just a lot less people playing Magic, and maybe they just don't do that for the next set because, you know, whatever. The, there's, like, not that big of a pr attendance problem in January and February because there's no holidays around then. Um, it, it's it's hard to tell. I don't know. And I don't think, I think I agree with Doug. I don't remember them saying this is specifically only for Battle for Zendikar. Like, they said it was special, but they didn't say that they would never do it again. We just assumed that they wouldn't do it again because it's the first time they've ever done it. Wait, are we talking about Standard Showdown or Expeditions? I got, I lost track. I mean, he, Jeremy said that, like, he was wondering if this would be a one-time thing, like they said Expeditions would be. And I just uh, sort of, like... Did they say, I don't think they said Expeditions were a one-time thing, did they? exactly what Jim and just, I just said. All right, well, there you go, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just looked up all their announcements. They didn't say it was a one-time thing. For some reason, I thought it was, so I'm wrong there. Yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want someone write this down. Jeremy admitted to being wrong. That's a, that's a big deal. Yeah, it's a momentous occasion. So, you know, we have a guest on for a reason. We're, we're not just here to, like, have them answer all these sort of softball questions. Jimmy, do you want to sort of talk about what it's like to be on the other side of a booth at a Grand Prix? Any tips or tricks for players that are trying to sell to get cool stuff or to other places? Like what to expect for people's first GP? Because we have a lot of listeners that are attending their first GPs next year and they want to know, like, how do I bring bulk to a vendor? Like, are they going to look through all of it to make sure it's all near mint? Are they going to take bulkers at 10 cents? Do vendors have the capability to fly bulk fly bulk back? And how should I organize my binder for vendors? Okay, um, that was a few good questions. Um, as far as like bulk for for us, we're flying like like you mentioned, so we don't take common on common bulk. But some vendors do. That's something really varies from room to room. You definitely have to ask around. Um, as far as like what to expect. Don't expect to get retail for what your cards are worth. That's just the way it works. Usually it's, you know, about whatever half of whatever we're going to sell it for is usually most of the time what it looks like. Um, organizing your cards, that's really a personal preference thing. If it's by set, I, I personally think that goes faster just because I'm used to, that's how I'm used to sorting cards, just by set. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I'm I don't really know what to say, I guess. This is what happens after you grind magic events for years and years, it just crushes your soul and you give up on everything. Yeah, it's it's not that bad. Like I've I played I actually I still still played. I played like two weeks ago at a one K in Orlando, so that was fun. Um But as yeah, as far as events go most vendors are willing to buy bulk rares at 10 cents. So just when, 
when you're shopping around bulk, I would tell them how much you have. Do you have like a deck box full? Do you have, you know, a truckload? Because that's a relevant relevant thing to, to point out because we'll usually buy bulk at events, but we run out of space because we're flying. So if you have just a small box, we'll probably take it. If you have, you know, like I said, a pallet or a four by full of bulk, we, we might pass. <laughs> and... Um... What are some of the pitfalls that you see newer players get into? And this goes for all of you guys, because, you know, Doug has a, sh- I guess this goes for Doug, because Doug has a shelf as well. What are some of the pitfalls that you guys see when new players come in and they see all these shiny things on the shelf, or they see packs, and then they know that certain vendors have a predisposition for pack warring or gambling, essentially, allegedly? Uh, like, what are some of the things that you can do wrong the first time you're at a Grand Prix? And all of us have been to Grand Prix, so this is something we should all should be able to answer. Uh, calculate, like, all of the invisible costs that you don't really think of beforehand, I guess. Like, if, if you're going to a Grand Prix the first time, you're like, oh, boy, I got my plane ticket and my, uh, like, gas money or whatever, and I got my entry fee, and that's all I need. No, you have, like, parking costs, uh, like, all of the food costs, uh, like taxis uh like any sort of like eight dollar hamburgers at the concession stand like pack your own food just uh i guess all of like the if all of that's pretty basic travel stuff but like if you've never traveled before i guess it's pretty relevant information like you can just like look up all of the decent advice for traveling and then just add it to magic events because i actually had never traveled before and i learned a lot of that stuff the hard way uh and i know a lot of other people did too because i live in a town where basically nobody leaves yeah, so there's like definitely a couple things that you want to keep in mind if you're going to your first Grand Prix to buy or sell cards. Um, one big thing is like if you're going to go to sell cards, make sure that you like organize them before you go. Don't bring your trade binder and like have them flip through it because it just takes too long. Like if you know you're going to get rid of something or you want to get a price on something, like if you have like one really expensive card you want to shop around, that's probably better. But for the most part, like people are too disorganized and they just want to hear numbers and they're not really sure what they're looking for when they want to sell the card. On the flip side, if you're going to buy cards, don't impulse buy things. Like don't buy something from the first vendor that you see. Um, pretty much, I, I go there almost exclusively to buy cards. I really don't sell that much at, at Grand Prix, but when I do, I usually go with like a shopping list and I'll look it up on TCG Player. Like, what's the lowest I'll pay? I can pay for this grade card in this set and you know with this rarity and whatever and make like a list of it and just keep it with you so that when you go to the you know you when you go to the booths you can see like oh there's an expedition whatever and it's twenty dollars less than what it is on tcg player that's probably a pretty good price you know you might want to consider buying that but if you go around to all the tables and everyone in the room you know all of their expeditions are just as an example all their expeditions are like 15% 15% more than they are on TCG player, then you know you're not getting any deal. Even if you buy the cheapest one, it's probably still not worth it. Um, I don't have any excellent suggestions on this. I guess I would just say don't buy foil standard guards. Um, as far I, I would agree with the kind of the travel recommendations. Uh, as far as the hidden costs, $8 burgers will add up <laughs> at a concession stand. Also, you're going to feel miserable at the end of the weekend eating junk the entire weekend. So drink a lot of water. 
I mean, yeah, there's that's just like segues into a whole other conversation about health. Like, go out and walk around. Like, don't just stay in the like building like a freaking vampire all day. Like, walk around. Uh, just like get exercise. Like, just try to avoid sitting in one space for like the entire nine hours. Like, I don't know. Excuse like, me. Excuse me. No, 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 no. I need to sit at this vendor for five hours and grind. Okay, sick joke. Sick joke. We get it. We get it. For my kids, because if I don't grind. Fifty extra cents in value over five hours. This trip was a waste. Just, just write it off. Okay. Yep. But uh, I mean, there's a, there's a few tips like for just like Sunday GP grinding too. Like, um, vendor, some vendors don't want to like fly back a whole like just certain things. So like, if they've had something in their case for like six grand prix in a row, and then you wait till like Sunday and go up to them, you'd be like, hey, will you take X on this? In they might be more likely to say yes just because they don't want to fly back with it and they want to just like get more cash or maybe they're out of cash. They want to get more. Like, I don't know. That's how I picked up my set of foil Robnick Life from loans like a couple years ago. I, they were like 35 on TCG player and for the, the cheapest set. And I just walked up and said like, Hey, I'll give you a hundred dollars for all four of these. And the guy just said like, sure, whatever. Cause it was Sunday at like four o'clock. So, I don't know. It's definitely very important. Sell on Friday and buy on Sunday. If you can, or sell on Friday and also buy on Friday because sometimes vendors have stuff cheaper than they should be. Yeah, sometimes stuff's mispriced. Or sometimes pe people just haven't updated prices for like the weekend or all that stuff. I always like um, the going through their like played binders. Yeah. Like, right at the start of the weekend, I flip through those um, because you can find some juicy stuff in there for, you know, a couple bucks. And like they're just like, ah, whatever, it's SP. And you're like, yeah, this is good enough to pass off as near mint you know, in trades or whatever, so. That and the, uh, not just the SP, or not just like the plate binder, but like the, the everything in this box is $2 binder. Yeah, yeah, that type of you'll, stuff. You'll find like an EDH card that spiked to $5 four weeks ago, or you'll find like a four and $8 card that they just can't get rid of, so it's $2 in the box. Like, those are always just boxes to just pick through and be like, hey, I'll give you $10 for these five or six cards, and they're like, yep, sure, whatever, because they got them for pennies on the dollar. But if you see like a Japanese chromatic lantern in a two dollar box, I would just pass. Probably not worth picking up Japanese EDH staples because they'll just sit there forever. Rather than being a shot at Sig, that is instead a shot at me. I'm not for, a big fan of picking up Japanese stuff, especially reprints lately. To be honest, like I understand that specking on the black market probably wasn't the best idea, like the Japanese ones especially after the reprint, but like I I would just stay even farther away from Japanese EDH cards the second time around, unless they have them at like a dollar. Cause I would be willing to like buy them at a dollar and sell them at two, but at two, I don't think I'd want to move them at three. Foreign cards in general, are just harder to get rid of. It doesn't matter what they are. Like unless you're buying some ridiculous, like Japanese, Korean or Russian foil of a, legacy st like staple like it's not worth it well that's a whole nother argument in itself because we're concerned about value why pay a six time foil multiplier for a russian foil card over just an english foil and why buy foils at all when you could just play normals and save money we literally just will not buy foils at our place unless like we'll offer them and like this is posted we will buy foils at the same price that we buy non-foils like, I don't want foils at all. There's just no market for it here. 
So if you're concerned the most about finance, you shouldn't be buying foils in the first place. You should just always be buying non-foil cards unless you're speculating. But for yourself, you should never buy foils. I'm just curious, Jeremy. Why don't you just buy foils and then list them on TCG? Because uh, my contract prohibits me from selling cards in the county uh, in Boone County online. Uh, so mm -hmm. I'm only allowed to tweet deals when I'm in St. Louis, and I can geotag those so that they see I'm not violating my contract in Columbia. Because I'm working out different deals with all the shops, so whenever I'm in Columbia, I can't tweet deals and I can't put stuff on TCG. And like they're they're able to audit my TCG sales to see where we shipped it from using tracking, and they'll always see that it ships from St. Louis. Whereas, um, where where was I going with this? There was something else I wanted to say about. Oh, I can audit their stuff anytime, so I can see if they're screwing me out of money. I have access to their cameras, stuff like that. So it's a fully open relationship, essentially, if that makes sense. You're seeing other people. I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I might be taking over another shop in southern Missouri just because, like, these people just do not know how to run magic sales at all. Wait, you mean buying at half of SCG's BioList and selling at SCG retail is wrong? Yeah, well, they, my competitor actually sells for 10% above SCG now, and they're paying 30% below SCG BIOS to near mint cards. So, yeah, like going to Grand Prix with all this excess inventory that, like, you're literally paying Star City BIOS on, throwing it in an ogre box, and then just saying, like, have at it, and you're making, like, 10 or 20%. So, I don't know. Or you can just buy out, like, three different artifacts on TCG player and then just ogre, the, like just keep badgering cool stuff buyers to take these fucking memory jars that you paid like $2 less on. Hey man, they were seven bucks last time. So yeah, they're probably still seven now. I, I have a stack right here. So this perfectly works out. I guess I'm bringing more memory jars to, uh, to Louisville. Oh wait, you guys won't be at Louisville. Uh, not Louisville. Yeah. Fuck. But yeah, um, let's talk buyouts. You guys want to talk about how easy it is to manipulate people online to buy out a card? Because that seems like a pertinent subject. Maybe not. Okay. Then what do you want to talk about, Doug? Well, you you can talk about it. I'm not. I'm 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 just saying I'm not going to talk about it. You can talk about whatever you want, but I'm not going to be part of any any buyout talk whatsoever. I mean, on the cast, like. Travis has admitted to buying out, um, what was it, Suchi? Uh, I wouldn't even say that I bought out Suchi, but... How many copies did you pick up? I don't know, 15. I was going to say, he got like 15 or 20. It wasn't that many. And he didn't like search the entire internet to, <laughs> to remove all copies. He bought out like TC. He like emptied TCG fire. I think that was it. For what yeah, it's worth, like I didn't buy out Chromatic Lantern. That wasn't me. Do you want to talk about what you did buy out? Uh, I'm going to wait for the masses to absorb these last couple. There's like 20 copies left on TCG that are below $10. So I'm going to wait for that. Of what, Memory Jar or that four mana artifact? That four mana artifact that like everyone on the finance forums is scrambling for. And they're like, oh, this is an easily an 8 to $10 card. This, why didn't we see it? Look at how natural wait, demand is taking away all the copies. Do I have any of these? Uh, if you had them on TCG, they're gone. No, I didn't. I'm just like wondering if I had them in my spec box at all. Jason only had like 12. He was pretty salty about it. I bought one for the deck. Yeah. That I played. Okay, I have I have like two or three playsets. That's not bad. Uh, I'm not even sure if I have any. I'll just take those out right now. Yeah, just don't show them on camera. 
Oh my god. <laughs> I feel like it was four dollars at our booth this past weekend, and I'm pretty sure I know what it is. Uh, no, it was two dollars on your yeah, website. Because I, I tipped off Tails, and they apparently, like, bought out their room. So if you had Mike walk up to you and, like, buy your copies, then it was that card. They wouldn't even have them with them. They don't bring that with, with them to a show. Yep. Okay, let's talk actual oh finance, maybe, instead Are of just... All this cryptic shit about this thing that you you did. I mean, this is only the third card I bought out this year, so it's it's not like last year. Last year was worse. I'm not Craig Berry. I'm not buying out like reserveless cards. So no, you're buying out cards people actually want. That's worse. Yeah, but like you look at the returns on a Contagion Engine, like oh, what did that go to? I got fifteen. All right, that was uh the buy-in for that was two point. 7.5 on average for copy to buy at the internet or something. So that wasn't bad. And like, you can't, like, I think low is back to 10, but it's still pretty good. Yeah, I think I've only got 10 of those. Cool. Jim, are there any other tips or tricks that you have for Grand Prix people that are coming up to sell besides like what they should eat? I mean, I would try don't to bring play the main Yeah, don't, don't play the main event unless you absolutely need to. Um, it's probably not worth your time or your effort unless you're like trying to grind the Pro Tour invite. And even then, like, it's still bad. It's still bad value. You should just play Star City Opens if you want to grind events for value. Jimmy? Um, um, as far as like if you're going to sell stuff. Uh, have a general sense of what you want for a card. No, no, nothing's more annoying than, in personally, than like pointing at cards and saying numbers. And you, like, I understand needing to debate in your head whether you want to get rid of it, but preferably don't have things in your binder that you don't really aren't really willing to sell at all. That's that's what I would say. Especially if you're in the type of mode where you're just looking to, you know, turn your binder into a bunch of other stuff or something else completely. For some reason, the chat is salty at you guys. This is a question from someone who's actually pretty salty on Twitter. Austin Toller asks in our chat, he says, honest question, how can people like Cool Stuff hope to compete against the other vendors at a place? Um, cool Stuff thinks they can compete with people like Hiroya and Kerwans who are paying 25% more or 25% or more consistently. I would say that varies from card to card. Like, for instance, they were paying, I forget, what was it, Providence? Providence, Kerwin's was paying, or no, it wasn't Kerwin's. I don't know, someone, like, the, the highest price in the room on Smuggler's Copter was, like, $8. We were paying 10 You guys were also foolishly paying 10 on Vertero's Gearhawk, which was, like, above TCG mid at the time. Yeah, like, that happens. Yeah. It's whatever, you know, if, if we're selling it for, for more than that, then it's the hope. Hope we don't get stuck with a billion copies and not be able to sell them. I mean, there's also something to be said about the fact that, like, you can take store credit and get more store credit than you could with Haruya, which doesn't even offer that option. Like, everything that they do is straight cash, right? Like, I don't think you can get a bonus if you buy cards from them. No, they just do cash in, cash out. Unless that's changed in the past couple months. 
They'll give you a very small percentage if it's a card that they're out of, like Tabernacle or Bazaar. That's it. Oh yes, the average player just walks around trying to sell Tabernacles and Bazaars. I'm Obviously, sure. that's why the prices are so high because everyone's trying to sell them. Duh, that's how finance works, obviously. So, Jim, for people who are interested in perhaps, dare I say, becoming a card monkey for the rest of their lives, like, how did you get started just slugging cardboard for for an endless amount of time? Um, basically, I, I've just played Magic for a really long time. I've always played card games uh, almost forever. So... Uh, eventually I was working an insurance job and I was basically just hating life. So I talked with one of my friends who's, who had worked at cool stuff for years. And he's like, why don't you just work here? And I'm like, eh, I don't know. And then lo and behold, this is where I am. It's where I've been for a bit. Now I stare at cardboard for 40 hours a week, at least (laughs) if I'm not traveling. And are there any advantages to being on the other side of the booth personally? Does the company give you like certain things? Like, are you allowed to buy stuff? Are you allowed to like, if, if they're definitely not going to buy it, are you allowed to pick it up? Like, are there opportunities that have been opened because of the fact that you've taken a job in this field? Um, no, no, we're not allowed to do anything like that. Um, but basically like, it's just, you get the knowledge to, to be able to, you know, look at cards and, know if there were something which so if i go to another local store or if i'm traveling just personally and i go to a store you know i'll have a general sense of pricing better than other things or like before i started working at cool stuff i didn't realize pokemon was worth anything pokemon bulk my wife found uh, a box of pokemon bulk at goodwill like this past week she bought it for 10 bucks it's like a 1k just full of pokemon so it's cool that's a nice steak dinner right there yeah, yeah. I say now, how much is something like that worth? A hundred dollars for a thousand Pokemon cards would be my $100 guess. Hundred dollars for a thousand Pokemon cards? Yeah, it's it's not quite that much. They're, they're like seven, eight cents each for each card, individual card. Yeah, so seven, it, seven and a half cents. It has to be like mint, right? I have gotten sixty-five from multiple vendors for played Pokemon bulk. I'm bringing thirty thousand Pokemon cards that are bulk to to uh, Louisville. And like that, we paid twenty dollars per K on. I'm gonna triple my investment just off bulk minimum. So, so what you're telling me is that I should dig up all my girlfriend's fiance's childhood photos or fi- childhood uh, Pokemon cards and sell them. <laughs> well, the reason why they're expensive is because Pokemon booster packs have less cards than Magic cards, and it's like I, I forgot the other reason why, but yeah, Pokemon bulk is consistently way more expensive than Magic bulk. I mean, it's probably just like a la- uh, smaller competitive market, right? Like we have Star City cracking open like hundreds of boxes. We have Channel Fireball cracking open like hundreds of boxes. There's probably less big name stores. Like it's just what like cool stuff. Tales Adventure are probably the biggest ones I can think of that do Pokemon, and like even then they're not on the scale of Star City for like Magic. So like it's probably just less boxes being opened overall. So it's harder to find. That's just my guess. Like it's not just that. Like the thing with Pokemon is that it's not just a card game, because people like the like like the Pokemon regardless of whether or not the card's good. Like they have True. some personal yeah. attachment to it. So Pokemon cards are worth more money because the people will buy ones that are just completely right. unplayable, but they don't care because they use it for other things. Like for example, like 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 energy cards 
how many Magic players you know have energy cards now because of the stuff in Magic? Like, that's just like one of those like things where like yeah. those are basically basic lands. They're normally worth nothing, but like foil ones are now really expensive and more expensive than they used to be because there's not that many of them. Um, there's also some weird things about Pokemon packs. Like, there's only car- ten cards in a pack, and each pack has sometimes multiple rares, and it always has at least one foil, which is a little weird. Um, and there's just not as many competitive players. There's more casual players, so there's more people to soak up the, for lack of a better term, the shittier cards. So, like, the most expensive cards in Pokemon are a lot cheaper because people there's demand for like the other cards. Like, you don't, I don't, I don't think you could draft Pokemon, right? Like, I don't think that's a thing that happens. So they design their sets around that, as far as I know, anyway. But yeah, there's just like. You know, you don't have to have, like, weird draft cards in your sets. You don't have to have totally unplayable cards in your sets. So, like, there's just general more... There's just more demand for just raw numbers of cards. It seems like... It almost seems like your market is nothing but EDH players and not even, like, ultra-casual 60-card EDH players. Young ones who don't care if the card's good. (laughs) I mean, that's... There's probably a non like there's there's definitely a non-zero number of like parents who are willing to spend like ten dollars for like a an Amazon box of like or not ten dollars but like ten dollars for like I don't know like a hundred or so cards that just like for a birthday present or whatever because it's cheaper than the the twenty dollar tins at Walmart or whatever I don't know. Yeah, I mean you know there's a reason that there are way less R-rated movies today than there used to be, uh, and that's because selling the kids is profitable. Yep, that's definitely true. Um, as far as the general, as we talked about this a little bit last week. Prices are really falling. It's a great time to invest. Like Star City, ha- and that's if you believe the market can rebound. Star City had a dollar sale today, where like uh, uh, Soul Ring was a dollar, so I went pretty deep on those. Yeah, stuff I was like about that. to say, how many Soul Rings did you buy? They still have like five hundred. Uh, they restocked twice. I ended up getting three hundred and eighty. Um, <laughs> Okay, but, I thought that you didn't buy enough. Yeah, I saw the screenshot where it's like, it's a 20, and I was like, that's not right. Well, and then uh, one of the QS moderators is like, yo, they restocked, and I was like, I'm just going to take that entire that entire thing. So uh, we go through, that'll be gone in about like 40 days. We'll be sold out of all those soarings probably. Um, but uh, Masterpieces. They still have 232 left, if anyone reads. I'm not, I'm not going any not, deeper. They're not buying out soaring people. Don't no, worry. no, no. There's definitely more than that because there's multiple copies of multiple different sets yeah. of soaring. Yeah, yeah, but there's I'm talking about the dollar like, ones. No, no. There's more than one set of dollar ones. There's like 2015 and 2016 Commander. Oh, ones. oh, Jesus. Yeah, there's okay. like there's like 700 of them. Yeah, I, I, I didn't scroll down far enough. I already spent like my entire profit for this month like buying out a card. Are buying you... All, Buying like twenty boxes of Gate Crash, like two cases of Dark Ascension, couple cases of Eternal Masters. Like, are you a bad enough dude to buy out the Internet of Soul Rings? No, there's too <laughs> many. Um, but masterpieces have fallen to a level where do you guys think it's worth buying in? Like, have you guys been buying these at all, or just like me? Or are you just trying to flip them as fast as possible? Or like, I I buy them at BioS and flip them. That reminds me, Jim. Do you need a mana crypt or a mana vault still? No, I have those two. I have. I need like shitty ones and soul ring, which is kind of annoying. I have hanger back. I have crucible. 
No, I need. I'll, I'll talk to you about it later. It's not necessary that we. Okay, but yeah, I just I've been buying them at BioWest or flipping them. Like there was a couple kids uh, this past weekend who cracked them from their standard showdown thing. I think I'm assuming that's where they got them because they texted me at like Tuesday or Saturday at four, and then they're like, "Hey, do you need masterpieces?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll take them." But I'm I'm not looking to like store them away or whatever. It's a pretty decent sized cash investment, so uh, I'm I'm just paying like. 75 on like mana vault and mana crypt and then just like flipping them for 100 or 110 on tcg player i think that's the way to go yeah i mean if you're looking to buy them to like play with then you probably still have a little bit more time that you can wait i'd say like by the end of this month if you don't want to wait like a whole nother year it's probably pretty much the lowest you're going to see even i'm, I'm looking I've, I've been looking at some of the like lower end ones like sculpting steel and mind's eye those have actually started to creep up a little bit. So I think that like we've seen the floor for the cheapest ones. I haven't picked up any yet, but I've been thinking about it. I mostly just haven't paid attention in the last couple of weeks. I'll probably start looking maybe closer to Christmas when prices should probably be close to their nadir because uh, you know, the holiday season people aren't spending their money and that type of thing. Um, I also have to consider how much I want to spend because I have to pay for a stupid wedding, which is the worst value in the world. Uh, but yeah, these have got to be pretty darn close to their floor. Um, although, to be, we were also saying that you know how many weeks after Zendikar Expeditions came out, and now they're pretty much all lower than they were at that time. So I don't know. Don't know how much of a gamble it is. You also have to pay tax on them. Only if I buy them from TCG Player, which is just yeah. savage, because it means I'm paying nine percent extra on all my TCG Player orders. Yeah, that's awful. That's I uh, I feel your pain, Travis. So I, we can segue into a viewer question here. Uh, at Nerdwalla asked if the ten percent TCG sale that TCG did on Black Friday and Cyber Monday had an impact on card prices. Like, did anything go up in value because TCG had such a great sale? I don't think so, but I don't know. Uh, I don't have that kind of data, but if anybody did, that'd be cool. I don't think there's any way to know no. that. Unless unless there's like some sort of weird shift on like MTG stocks or something that shows some sort of mass increase in like just random cards that didn't have, I don't know. Unless the stock page on MTG or stocks is like 8,000 pages long and it shows every single card went up by like 3%, then like, I don't really think that had an impact, especially since it was only like a three-day thing. I don't know. Yep. There's so, much, there's so much movement on magic card prices on a daily basis to be able to pin anything to a sale because if it's a 10% sale, you're not going to see prices move that much. 10%, so just not enough. And uh, something that I guess Jimmy has the best expertise to answer here is a lot of people think that vendors like make a killing on one specific card or something where they're like, they're, yeah, it's true. Some shops target, but like, they're like, all right, we're going all in on doubling season. We're going to be the best doubling season person in the room. And that's all that we're going to buy is cool stuff strategy to like target in on, on like this card to make insane profits to pay for gathering magic. Or are you guys just saying, We'll take everything at this percentage. That's how we make a living. We we pretty much just take everything. Like we try and just keep everything fully stocked at all times. That way, when you show up, you know, to the website, you can build the whole deck basically at once and not have to like look here, there, you know, look around everywhere. So we pretty much buy everything. 
Uh, if we're out of something, then yeah, obviously when we're at a Grand Prix, it's usually higher on our hot list or it'll, it'll be on the hot list for sure if we're out of it. And is that the way that other members of this cast go? Like, Doug, you have a pretty good retail out. Are you just sort of buying everything at a percentage and saying, I'll ship this on TCG, I'll put it in my shop. And for Travis and Jim, is it more, I'm going all in on Restore Balance, I'm going all in on Suchi. This is where I'm putting my magic investing money for the month in, and I hope it pays off down the road. Yeah, I I try to be the person who will buy everything at BuyList um, because there are very few other people in my local area who are willing to do that. So, like, I'll get a person who wants to sell a standard deck. I'll buy that, and then they'll be like, oh, hey. They'll message me a month later and be like, oh, hey, I have got uh, 10,000 bulk rares. You want those too? Yeah, I'll take those. Oh, wait, I've also got these 30,000 bulk commons on commons. Do you want those? Yep. And then when their friend wants to sell their collection, that person says, oh, hey, I was able to get rid of everything uh, to this guy. And then I get texts from that person. And uh, I just try to have multiple different outs for all of my different cards. So like higher end stuff I'll throw on TCG Player or Twitter. Um, dollar box or bulk rare stuff I'll throw in the display case. Uh, EDG or stuff like non cheapish non foil like three to ten dollars stuff I'll throw in the display case like Contagion Engine, like Gods, crappy old standard planeswalkers, that kind of thing goes in the display case. Um, I just try to have a versatile number of outs, and then just, I just want to be the person that buys everything and the person that everybody's willing to go to so that. You just have all those people bringing collections all the time. Like, if you follow me on Twitter, you're like, wait, how do you get all these collections? Well, I'll take basically everything. That's it. The only things I don't take are, like, uh, foreign bulk rares, beat-up bulk rares, or beat-up bulk commons and uncommons. That's it. Doug actually only does any of this so that people will talk to him and he can try and make friends. Social ha social uh, True. True. Shout-out to our locals for buying the entire shop Subway sandwiches last week. It was awesome. Man, I'm getting so fat off of like unlimited Starbucks and customers just bringing me free food all the time. It's a rough life. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Humble right. really sick. Enjoy it now because you're going to turn like 27 or 28 and you're not going to stop doing that. But suddenly your metabolism will stop. Yeah. And you'll put on 100 pounds without blinking. Oh, I already put on the Oops. 100 pounds. Don't worry. <laughs> yep. So it's what are you bad. like, 101 now? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. Um, so as we approach this new year, we have Ether Revolt coming out, and then we have Modern Masters 2017. It's sort of like, not including Amon Cat. how do you pronounce that? I'm not going to pull a, a Seth here and just mispronounce everything like I do in the other casts. I thought you did it on purpose. Yeah, no, that's Eldrick Moon. Um, so we have Modern Masters 2017, and today we had Inkmoth Nexus spoiled as the World Magic Cup qualifier promo. Do you guys think that this will lead to Infect not being in Modern Masters 2017? Can we not call this? Do you guys like sort of have an idea of what we're going to see? Are Lillian Snapcaster sort of a must at this point? Or will Watsi just give us another dragon set from Kamigawa? Well, Lillian Snapcaster are a must. I think we can all agree on that. Um, that's been a thing for like at least a few months now. Um, Infect, Infect's a hard call um, because it's, it's one of the lowest rated like what's the best word for this, like theme mechanics. Like it was the, it was the core of Scars of Mirrod and it was the biggest draw. It probably had the most numbers of keywords on it. Like there was the most, everything in Scars was like in fact focused and people didn't like it. It was, it was a very low rate mechanic. People didn't like the poison. It was just like, it was very icky and not a lot of casual players liked it either. 
Um, and those that did were like a very select few diehard group. So if they do bring it back, which they might, it might just be for the reprints and it might affect the limited format in a negative way. I don't know. I'm, I'm holding on to my Glistener Elves and Bladed Agents just because the multiplier on those is so ridiculously high. I got them all for less than a penny each because I found them in bulk. And if they're not reprinted, I make thousands more percentage. If they are reprinted, I lose less than a penny each. So I think Infect's a tough call for Modern Master 17. I don't know. I think it's possible, but I think it's hard to say for sure. Since the WMCQ promo came out, I, I was initially I was thinking, oh, Infect probably has to be in it just because of the way the format's been going. But since the WMCQ promo came out, I've been thinking, you know, more and more that they probably wouldn't stick Infect in there because, like you said, it's a not a very fun mechanic and not terribly good for draft formats. It's it's hard because if you if you go to Grand Prix Vegas, wait, is Vegas Modern Masters again this year? Nope. No? Okay. Well, if you go to the some limited GP where they have Modern Masters, and then you open up your six-pack six, card, six sealed pool, and it's like, oh, half my creatures are infect, half of them aren't. Like, I, I basically just got, like, three, two separate pools with three uh, packs each that I can't do anything with, and it's kind of awkward. Well, so Vegas doesn't have a Modern Masters Grand Prix, right? But it will have Modern Masters of Side Events firing constantly. Okay. Okay, I didn't know because I I just sort of like bought my plane ticket and didn't really look back, but um, or check what it was, but uh, yeah. So, Infect is hard. How much was your ticket? Like five hundred. What? For five hundred round trip? Yeah, that's obscene. Southwest is like a fifty nine dollar deal. Well, remember where Doug is flying from. Oh, right. We're flying from upstate New York, dude. Syracuse is close to a third world country when it comes to flights. Like, my, my flight last year was like five, or my flight last year was like 550. That's crazy. And then you bought all my shock lens for $5 when they were cheap, so I hate you, but. That wasn't expensive. me. That wasn't I, me. I swear to God it was you. I didn't buy any cards at Vegas. I have a feeling you were at the house. And I was at the I house. I didn't buy any of your cards. I talked to you after you, you sold cards down by the pool, but I did not buy your cards. I swear. All right. Anyway. All right. Doug, so did you, uh, back to the question. Yeah. Uh, did you want to say something, Travis? Yeah, I would say, Doug, did you look at um, taking the Amtrak or something to a nearby airport that would be way cheaper, which is good info for people looking to fly who also live in more remote areas, um, is to check your local... Don't just check your airport, check airports near you too. Like for instance, I live in Buffalo, but I'm like an hour-ish, 90 minutes from the Toronto airport. So if it's a longer flight, like I saved over $1,000 per ticket when I was flying internationally by just driving an hour to Toronto. So if you can get to a large airport more easily, um, it can be way cheaper. I think the next closest airport other than Syracuse to me is like Albany though. Well, Buffalo too, right? I'm on the opposite side of Syracuse from you. Oh, right, right. And luckily for Jimmy, Cool Stuff is one of the few buyers that... And this is why Doug needs to mute his mic. Luckily for Jimmy, um, Cool Stuff is one of the few vendors that is nice enough to fly their buyers everywhere. And it's like, really, you guys always seem a little happier in the morning than like the people that are driving everywhere. So... Yeah, the, definitely, like, we, we try and hit up, you know, breakfast. If we get lucky, sometimes the hotel, you get the free breakfast buffet. So 
some good mornings were well fed. <laughs> yeah, that's also partially just out of like necessity because Orlando is in the middle of Florida and is not near like almost any Grand Prix sites. Yeah, but you have some vendors that will literally sit in a car for 10 hours. Like Q&A Magic literally drove from whatever Grand Prix was two weeks ago on the East Coast that Jimmy was probably at. Uh, you got to help me here, Jimmy. Two weeks ago, was it Atlanta? Dallas? Dallas. No, they were in Arkansas for some reason. Uh, Any... Providence? Yeah. So they drove from Providence to Dallas to Denver, and now they're, now they're driving to Milwaukee. That's like, awful. That is, those are buyers that are just sitting in their car, like, the entire week, basically. So, it you know, cool stuff's nice enough to, like, they don't have to literally spend the entire week on the road and, like, sorting inventory. So, just throwing that out there. Right, I don't so care if that's profitable. I'd rather be dead. I'd rather be poor. <laughs> I, I would agree. But, um, yeah, so... As far as the infect thing in Modern Masters 2017, I'm like, I don't want to say I'm without a shadow of a doubt that there's not going to be any infect cards in there, but I'm like, I would be extremely surprised if they print Inkpot Texas as a WMCK promo and then they put any kind of infect cards in, in Modern Masters 2017. So the the reason that I'm like almost 100 percent sure is because if they're going to print infect cards, they're going to print the most expensive ones because that's the reason why they're going to put it in the set. And Glistener Elf and Blighted Agents, like the non-foil copies, are not expensive enough that they care yet. And the rest of the infect cards, like the ones that are expensive in the deck, are not cards that necessarily have infect themselves. Because there's only 12 cards that have infect. So, like, they could print Might of Old Krosa as just a shitty pump spell in the deck, and it's a reprint for Infect without actually being a card that has Infect on it. That's I'm just true. hoping that they put giant creatures in it so that pack war is bearable. Because in Eternal Masters, like, the highest thing is a 6 or 7 drop, besides Inkwell Leviathan and Maelstrom Wanderer, and it's not fun to pack war. Now, see, I'm going to go a different direction with this and say that I think the promo sometimes set up the extra printing, so they put the Ink Moth promo in knowing that they're going to run a bunch of other Infect cards in Modern Masters. And this is a way of like, well, we don't want to put like 30 Infect cards in. We only want to put like a handful of them. We don't have the land slot and we need a WMC key promo. So it's kind of a good way to like not have to put every single Infect card into one exact spot, but still release Infect cards at the same time. Yeah, they definitely need a spot to put Encroaching Waste again for another reprint instead of, like, you know, Cavern of Souls or something that would actually help Modern. See, that's the thing, though, is, like, Infect is such a horrible mechanic when it's, like, such a small portion of a draft format, which is the reason why, like, in, in Scar's draft, which I, I this is only what I'm assuming because I've never drafted it, like, there's so many Infect cards, despite the, and despite them being bad, they just, like, have to put a bunch of them in the set to make it worth, like, yep. being a strategy. So, like, there's not a lot of reason to do that and then just not put the most expensive card that has Infect in the set. That just doesn't make any sense. They just pick a different mechanic to do. Well, you're completely right. They need to put enough Infect cards in the set for it to matter, but I guess you're talking about a rare land. Like, it just doesn't seem like something... You don't. I don't feel like you have to have Ink Moth in there for the draft format to work, basically. Right, what I'm saying is that I don't think they'll put in the effort to make the draft format work because it's so difficult and because oh. it's so caustic. Well, if, I, if they're not going to put Inkwell Texas in there. 
I mean, the format, like, in fact, in draft format is a bad idea. Or, like, it doesn't work. It's not good. But if they're going to put it anywhere, what else are you going to do? I don't know. The problem is it's it's parasitic no matter what you print it in. you got to put Glycerin Elf somewhere, right? Like, these cards have to be printed again. I mean, they can be printed again in the next Mirrodin when you can do a lot of them in, in the whole set instead of just they like a small portion. They, they won't reprint it, though, if it's a base set. They want to, like... They don't want to say return to Scars of Mirrored and here's all the old infect cards that you hated. They'll do like, they'll try to new designs and they'll try to make the mechanic work so it's more fun. They, like when they return to uh, when they return to Innistrad, they didn't reprint any of the werewolves. They didn't make it so like, oh, remember all these werewolves? They just try to make it a new design. If, if they come back to Mirrored again, they're not going to reprint a bunch of infect cards. They'll make a different mechanic where it's like um, Venomous or something or like phyrixianated or like they'll make some sort of way to make it different and unique well they could do in fact but they might not do in fact like that i mean you were talking about reprinting glycerin elf and blighted agent but those are um very a very particular type of in fact card so like when we saw the original initial initial eldrazi they were all very expensive and they were large right and then when we saw eldrazi again instead of making them that band of card again they brought them way down the mana curve uh what they could do is they could push the infect curve up and say we're not printing one two drop infect creatures because those by nature lead to that like combo kill style that showed up in standard as well and is in modern now so they might push all the infect up the curve or do something else with it to get rid of that like one drop infect creature yeah that's a good point well this has been a productive discussion do you guys want to move into pick of the week only if you sing only if you sing nope i'm not doing it you have to you're going to disappoint so many people if you don't sing i cannot sing my belly is full of chocolate and i feel like shit whose fault is that oh it's totally mine so then sing. It'll it'll let some of the chocolate out or something. Did Jeremy say he's, his belly's full of shit? Because that's what I heard. Hey. It's like the same thing. Doug, what do you have for this week? Okay, I'll save you from this nightmare. Um, So Conspiracy 2 wasn't opened as much as everybody thought it would be. Inquisition rebounded really quickly. Uh, Leovold jumped. Savala jumped. All those EDH cards jumped. Uh... Do you guys know how much Kami the Crescent Moon is worth right now? Dollar. Do you know how much it was like four months ago? Six. Yeah. So uh, if you give this card a year, uh, it still goes in like all of the Nekusar decks. It still goes in all of the uh, the blue like Happy Tree Friends like group huggy decks where you want to let everybody draw cards with rights of flourish and you want to like play big magic. Uh, Kami the Crescent Moon is going to slowly creep back up to $5 over the course of the next year or two, and nobody's going to notice until that happens. So I, I got this card in a bulk rare box, and I was like, this card's not a bulk rare, but uh, I got it for $0.10, cents, so, and I, it would go in my quarter box. So yeah, buy Kami the Crescent Moon for like $0.50, cents and just wait. So my pick of the week last week was pretty good. I don't think I'm going to be able to get uh, one as good this week. Um, honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure where we go from here in standard. Um, I think that Sigarda Heron's Grace, I think is the name of it. The, the new Sigarda in Shadows over Innistrad might be something that could be very expensive in the next couple of weekends or into next year if Emrakul doesn't get worse. Uh, it's like one of the very few cards that give you Hexproof, which stops the Emrakul cast trigger from just wrecking your life. 
Um, and it's just, it does a reasonable impression of Ishkana because it's a 4-5 and you can make a bunch of guys to block on the ground. So, like, it's not the be-all, end-all. It's definitely not as good as Ishkana. But if we get to the point where, like, literally everybody's playing Emrakul, then that card's going to be very good. Uh, and I think they're, like, close to bulk at this point for, like... Yeah, the, uh, the card's basically a bulk mythic. It's, like, a dollar. You can find them for a dollar fifty on TCG. Yeah, that that seems, like, pretty, pretty safe. You know, you could buy four copies and be pretty happy with yourself. That might be worth it just because it's a dollar angel, dollar mythic angel. I mean, Angel of Serenity was a dollar mythic angel. We thought that worked out. It still is, isn't it? Yep, that was in the commander deck. Yeah, it went back down. Um, my pick of the week is, uh, I mean, I don't know if this is excellent, but I think I don't think Kroat Clan Ironworks has finished going up yet. That card is uh, started out like two weeks ago before the commander said it was like $4. I think it's up to like $7 now. Eight fifty. Eight fifty. I mean, I'm not telling you to run out and buy them, but I don't think this card's done going up in price. I think this is going to be a fifteen dollar uncommon. And if anyone figures this deck out in modern, it's going to be like thirty dollars. It's going to be it's going to be more than Mistress uh, Bobble because it will actually be the cornerstone of a combo deck. And there's none of them. There's no there's no copies of this card in existence. It's fifth dawn. It's never been reprinted, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, it's uh, an uncommon, right? So it's it's not a rare, but but it's basically a mythic. Yeah, and it's so good in, like, any time you're playing any commander deck with artifacts, which is Brea. Like, doesn't Brea go infinite? Like, can't you just get infinite Thopter tokens with Brea in this in play? Uh, you go infinite Death Triggers with this and Brea, I think. And yeah, Ashnod's yeah. Altar. Yeah, right. So if you have Brea and Cart Clan, yeah. you can generate infinite Thopter. You, you like, need, like, one more, um, like, kill condition, but yeah, I think. You have to do something, right? Like, you yeah. have infinite... Infinite death triggers, right? But it has to if you have any, enter the battlefield yeah, yeah. and enter the battlefield or at least play trigger. Like yeah, so, the you, card does so much with yeah. it. Um, and any other EDH deck is probably going to want it. Uh, and it's possibly a broken card in modern, like if they print the right card. So, um, yep. I don't know. I think it's I think it's worth keeping your eyes on. Jimmy, do you have anything that you think will go up in price? Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Card Clan Ironworks is. I could see that in Modern Masters 17, though. That's a card I could see in 17. I, I don't think it's likely, but it's possible. So, keep that All right, in. Jimmy? Um, as far as cards that would go up, I'm not 100%. I do like the new, uh, the new vehicle that was spoiled. I don't know if you guys saw that. The two-drop 4-4 four, four, flying vigilance, like remove a loyalty counter to, to crew it or crew three. I think that guy's good, but it's a mythic, so it's probably overpriced already. I don't even think that's up on any websites yet. Like all the players that have been coming out recently, I don't think anyone like I don't think Wizards of the Coast hasn't said specifically that those are spoilers, so I'm not sure that even any websites have them up. Well, didn't they like spoil a Johnny at like some sort of Wizards party or something? Some sort of like they they had an oversized one, didn't they? Where they just like revealed it. I don't know. I want to say it was uh, some sort of South American country. They like spoiled this big cardboard Spanish Johnny. It was yeah, like Brazilian was... TwitchCon or something. Okay. Oh, is that what that was? I wasn't sure where they had come from. It was not yeah. clear. I think it was Brazil. Uh, I mean, honestly, like South American sports have been really growing lately. There's a Brazilian reasons why they'd be down there. I hope you kill yourself. That was one of the better second. ones, I think. He's used it before, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he said it before, and and he didn't sing, and it's just it's just not worth it. 
Jimmy, do you do you want to add anything else about card prices going up besides the standard one? Jeremy's not worth it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to think of a card or something, something probably modern legal or legacy legal, or actually, probably frontier. I guess I don't know some random. What do you, what do you think of Sahili based on the new uh, little two drop vehicle thing? Because she curves kind of nicely into it. What was her starting loyalty? Three. Three. That's not bad then. Yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, I haven't really, I haven't thought about it that much. Yeah. Well, I guess it's legendary, so you can't like crew it, clone it, and then like hit them for eight. I guess it's legendary, so you can't do that. But uh, it doesn't even know. work like that. If you clone a vehicle, it's not animated, so it's just not oh. good. Okay. I, I think what you want to look for, and I don't know if there's any standard. I didn't look before the cast, but planeswalkers who generate plus two on their plus ability. Because they're out there, and I think there's a couple. There have been three drop planeswalkers to generate two on the loyalty and the plus loyalty. Jace Bellerin, uh, Ashok did it, I think. There's a handful, yeah. but if we see yeah. one, that's a really good follow up to the vehicle because you could play the vehicle, then play the planeswalker plus it, and then either double animate it, either attack and block with it, and say neutral, or you can animate to block and still be gaining loyalty. Um, so I think those are the planeswalkers to keep an eye out. So Healy just treads water. I mean, she treads water while attacking with a four-four flying vigilance. Well, sure, sure. I mean, she's not—it's not bad, right? It's just right. I'm just thinking, like, you know, uh. Nahiri, I think, is the only planeswalker in standard that has a plus two. All the other ones are plus ones. Uh, Nahiri's going to be pretty good with that too, because she's going to let you pitch all of the extra copies you find with her plus two. Yeah, it's it's pre-ordering on cool stuff for fourteen dollars. It's probably not worth buying. No, no, yeah, definitely not at that point. Yeah. Where did Jeremy go? Jeremy's talking, but he doesn't realize he's muted. <laughs> okay, he still doesn't. Nope, he just doesn't. What he... He's not saying anything. Jeremy! I think he can hear us, right? He's got to know. What is he doing? Does he have everybody? What is he's <laughs> Well, I'd like to thank you all for joining us. Uh, Jeremy's a big dumb idiot. He's still trying to talk. Who doesn't know what's going on and isn't typing? Where do we go? Do we usually finish from here? I'm not paying attention. I'm paying attention. I don't know. I don't know. Jer Jeremy <laughs> drives this struggle bus. All right, well... I think that's it for the show because Jeremy has yeah. no fucking clue what he's doing. So, uh, <laughs> Doug, where can our viewers find you? Uh, you can find me on quietspeculation.com. My articles come out every Thursday. I've been a little bit dark on Twitter lately just because uh, school and Pokemon have taken up a lot of my time recently, so I haven't really posted much magic-related stuff. But uh, uh, once the semester done is done, I'll be back sorting magic cards, selling on Twitter, uh, tag Rose of Thorns, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Travis, for having me because Jeremy doesn't want to uh, do the outro, I guess. Sure. Well, we run a tight ship here. Uh, Jim? Uh, my name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Gathering Magic every other week. You can find me on ne Modern Nexus every week. And you can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. Uh, and our, uh, our guest? How about our guest? Um, I'm Jim, Jim or Jimmy Bishop uh, at Jim Bobway four on Twitter. 
Um, see me at all the Grand Prix at the Cool Stuff Inc. booth. Okay. Uh, and I am Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. Uh, every Monday on mtgprice.com and the MTG Fast Finance podcast. Uh, and the hope future, let's hope that our host's uh, account doesn't abruptly decay. Uh, now, he's the one with the option to turn the stream off. So let's see if he actually does it. Just just push push the off button. He's reading chat now. He's reading chat. I, I really I really appreciate you for doing your best Jimmy or best Jeremy impression by abruptly putting in a not so good pun. Well, I just looked down at the cards on my desk and it was the first one that I saw. Uh, That's how he does it too. That's perfect. He's left it live and walked away from the computer. <laughs> we can't end the chat. All right, are we just? Do we just leave? Do we all should just we leave? I'll just leave. I think we yeah, should all, all just. Right. We're all just yeah, he's he's texting somebody. He's doing he's, something. Oh, he's calling in with his phone. That's what he's doing. He's connecting with his phone. Oh, okay. Are we uh, going to wait for that? I don't think we should wait for that. Well, the thing is, it's still live so long as he's on. Like, he's just going to be talking to himself. So that's just, like, par for the course? <laughs> oh, my God. What an... <laughs> I haven't checked flights to Vegas, Doug. Let's see. What does kayak say they are for me? I haven't decided if we're going yet. It's kind of miserable. I was also thinking about going, but they're like 450 from. Uh, I'm lucky though, because Emily's coming too this time. So, like, what's, my fiance actually wants to go. What's the date on that? Do you remember? Vegas? It's like June, second week of June, I think. Same like week. June 7th or June like 12th or something. <clears throat> Oh, and you can drink this time, so I don't have to be worried about throwing out, getting thrown out with you. Yeah, I can drink. That doesn't mean I will. You should. I mean, you're in Vegas, so like you don't even what have else to do. You're, you're, it's like going to Vegas and then like saying you're not going to gamble ever. I can gamble. I'll probably gamble when we're. Yeah, but you also gotta, you also gotta drink. I only want to throw money away like one, one way at a time. Listen, here's how. All right, listen, guys. Here's listen, how. Here's how you here's how you do Vegas. You only play craps because it is the best value in the casino. It is the only game with a absolute fifty percent bet. Um, I know it's confusing, but if you hang out at the table, they'll teach you. It's a ton of fun because everyone's into it, and there's a lot of energy. Unlike blackjack, where most tables look like everybody's dying, and they give you free drinks as long as you stand there, so you can drink for free. And the nice thing about craps is it goes slowly. So if you play five dollar tables, you can drag your money out slowly. Uh, so that is the trick to playing in That's Vegas. That's actually super helpful for me. I'll probably do that. Yeah, craps is the game to play. Uh, it's exciting and it's good value and it plays. I remember Corbin and the guys had a bunch of fun last year. Uh, yeah, I was about to say yeah. we, we should just get our own table. Yeah, me. It was me, Corbin, Jason, and some other guys. Uh, Jimmy Wong and those guys. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a good okay. time. Uh, okay, so Jeremy wants us to let, tell you that his pick of the week is Chainvale. Uh, full disclosure, I think he owns like 400 copies. So, you know, take that with a grain of oh, salt. He's going to correct you. Oh. 11, <laughs> he has 1,100 <laughs> copies of Chainvale. So Coming in the mail, nobody ever again buy Chainvale. Just don't, do not do it. Don't buy into it. Take your tracks at X up and throw them in the trash right now if you want to ruin his spec. Yeah. Tell all the people at your store that that card is terrible and bad, that Wizards accidentally banned it. Uh, okay. Uh, he's waving goodbye, so I assume he's going to click off now. 
hopefully. Yeah, he can hear me, so he'll click off here. 